Hey y'all, Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. Okay, so I would just like to say that I came over to Lynn's house at like 3 o'clock. It is now 9 o'clock, and we have yet to start podcasting because we can't quit bullshitting. <laughs> you know what? We have things to do, like the coconut bras. <laughs> we just spent... I don't even know how long setting up a backdrop with of like the plastic like beach looking scene so we could take a picture in our dollar store coconut brush. <laughs> this is we can't get anything done. I know. You know what? We're we're doing it now. We're, we're podcasting doing it now. right we're now. now. We're getting there. But dear goodness, does it take us forever to get started? I know. We are going to try and do five this weekend, <laughs> which sounds ambitious. I think the most we've ever done is four, and that was like two years ago. <laughs> I still feel like I'm wearing a coconut bra. I know, me too. <laughs> God. I don't know what's happening. They make mine disappear. <laughs> Mine fit well. Mine is not. <laughs> it just looks like I'm like a 12-year-old boy with a coconut bra on. <laughs> it's not a good look for me. Apparently, I need smaller shells. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, this is why we can't get stuff done. Okay. 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 <laughs> All right, so today <laughs> we're talking about Season 7, Episode 12, called Time After Time. We get distracted. <laughs> yes. Anyway. That's okay. Uh, so we start out at night on a street. A dude wearing a fedora and a long coat walks down the street and then turns down an alley. Sam and Dean are watching from a parked car. Dean says, all right, let's do this. Move fast. And Dean cocks his gun. Sam says, wait, wait, wait. What's the plan exactly? Dean says, don't die. <laughs> Sam and Dean get out of the car and sneak after Fedora Man. <laughs> Dean says, he's headed downtown. All right, you take the street. I'll take the alley. I'll meet you in the middle. Dean turns a corner and sees the Fedora Man kneeling over and holding the head of another man who is on his back on the ground. There's a red light above the man's face, which is being absorbed by Fedora Man. Dean says, son of a... And he runs towards the men. As the red light from the man is completely absorbed by the fedora man, the fedora man lets the other man's head fall to the ground, and he stands up. Sam comes around the corner and sees Dean tackle fedora man. (laughs) (laughs) Fedora man. Dean and fedora man disappear in a burst of red light. Sam says, Dean? Sam shields his face with his arms as the force of the explosion reaches him at the other end. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. The explosion hits him, huh? <laughs> he gets explosion on him. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, uh, this is why we can't get anything done. I know. I don't I don't know if I'm in the right headspace for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be too much doing 
jokes. It's fine. We'll okay. It. We're just going to roll with it. All right. All right. Everyone can just go ahead and forgive me. <laughs> okay. So Sam gets all explodey. Um, the, like, Wait, Sam's exploding on Dean? <laughs> Who's exploding I, I on who? I think Dean and Fedora Man are exploding onto Sam. Okay. <laughs> okay. And disappearing <laughs> in the explosion. Yeah. Uh, okay. The light that then disappears and everything is normal. Dean and Fedora Man are gone. I just said that already, I feel like. It's very possible. I don't know. We'll Sam, just keep going from there. Sam says, Dean? <laughs> and then we get our opening title sequence. <clears throat> okay, so then the screen says, two days earlier, we cut to a house at night. The boys are squatting. <laughs> <laughs> They're not in the position. <laughs> They're just in a house that isn't theirs. <laughs> Okay. I think I need more coffee. <laughs> so Dean is drinking and researching uh, about Dick on a laptop. <laughs> One of Sam's phones rings, <laughs> waking him up. He groans. Dean says, don't give me that dirty diaper look. I ain't calling you. <laughs> Sam answers the phone and says, hello. <laughs> Jody Mills says, Sam, it's Jody Mills. Did I wake you? Sam says, the sheriff? Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, Jody says, listen, I got something that smells like you boys. <laughs> right after the dirty diaper, I'm telling you. Yep. <laughs> it smells like shit. <laughs> so it reminded me of you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm fine. Okay. We're fine. Okay. Jody says, a body turned up in Canton, Ohio. Local PD is trying to bury the story and the body. Sam says, okay, um, so what's up with the body? Jody says, well, when it went missing, it was a perfectly normal grad student named Charles Durbin. When it turned up, the thing was mummified minus the wrapping. This is actually the second body found like this in the last couple weeks. Sounds like a song to you boys? Sam says, yeah, yeah, that's uh, kind of our number. Hey, question, how does a sheriff in Sioux Falls get wind of a case in Ohio? Jody says, I'm just that nosy. <laughs> Look, after everything I've been through with you boys and with Bobby, you know, something like this pops up on the wire. It catches my ear. What can I say? Sam says, we'll look into it. Thanks, Sheriff. Jody says, call me after, okay? Sam says, yeah, and he hangs up. Sam says, that was Sheriff Mills. She caught us one. Dean says, oh, I feel bad. We didn't get her anything. <laughs> Sam says, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I hope you're watching Cartoon Smut, because reading Dick Roman crap over and over again is just self-punishment. <laughs> Dean gives him a look and then closes the laptop. Dean says, it's called anime, and it's an art form. <laughs> so we cut to Canton, Ohio. It's daytime. The boys stop their car at an <laughs> The boys stop their car at an abandoned house. There are signs saying, for auction, and no trespassing. Dean says, well, this looks nice. Check around back. So they cu we cut to inside the abandoned house. Dean carries a table into an empty downstairs room. Sam, Sam comes down the stairs with a chair. Sam says, well, there's a semi-functioning bathroom and one unrancid bedroom. 
Dean says, define semi-functioning and do not use the words hole in the floor. (laughs) Sam holds out his right fist on his left palm and nods meaningfully to Dean. Dean takes up the same position with excitement. (laughs) They play rock, paper, scissors. So we cut to Sam in the nice empty bedroom rolling out a bedroll. Because Dean always loses rock, paper, scissors. Always loses. I read a theory on that, though, and I don't remember where it was probably facebook or something at some point that was saying like do you think that dean always loses rock paper scissors so that way sam gets the better thing yeah probably it probably is the reason yeah like does he know that he's doing it though or does he or here's the other option he's just always picking the same thing <laughs> i think that's what happens is he's oh he always picks the same exact thing yeah so sam always knows how to win yeah 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 mm-hmm. but is he picking it is he just picking it because he's not smart enough to pick anything else or is he picking it because he wants sam to win that's yeah. the real question i don't know what do you think probably depending on the situation Mm-hmm. could be both i don't know yeah i don't know I, I would guess that in bad situations, well, no, because there's been a couple of times that he's won rock, paper, scissors, and he gets, like, unnaturally excited about it because he's yeah. like, I finally won. It's like, yeah, because you did something other than what you always do, yeah. you know? So, I don't know. So, he's just not that smart. Maybe he's just <laughs> stuck in a rut. <laughs> he always picks the same thing. Uh. <laughs> Okay. Well, Dean comes in and stands in the doorway. He says, how does paper beat rock? It's stupid. (laughs) Sam doesn't say anything, and Dean leaves the room. So we cut to a close-up of a police file about Charles Darbus and his autopsy report. Dean is holding this file. The boys are dressed in suits and on a neighborhood... And on a neighbor... What? (laughs) What did I write? Uh, They're on a neighborhood street. That is just bad grammar but that's fine <laughs> whatever uh, sam says kids playing hide and seek found the body dean says wow very king tet sam says yeah so this is where the eyewitness is to the assault lives but the cops are calling him unreliable dean says because sam says let's find out <laughs> so sam and dean knock on the door of a house and hold out their ids a man opens the door dean says special agent smith this is a uh, special agent smith no relation the man says, whoa, do you mind if we, uh, my mom is sleeping in there. And the man comes outside and closes the door. Dean says, or the man says, so how can I? Sam says, oh, we uh, had a few questions about the incident you witnessed in the alley. The man says, you're just going to laugh at my story like the rest of the suits. Dean says, we're not going to laugh at you. The man says, all right, well, I'm on the steps medicating when I hear fighting. <laughs> so I look. There's my neighbor Durbin and some dude dressed like my grandpa's got him by the neck, right? (laughs) Dean says, what do you mean he looks like your grandpa? The man says, "Uh, snappy shoes, suit, one of those um, Justin Timberlake hats. (laughs) Sam says, you mean a fedora? The man says, aha. (laughs) I love how it's called a Justin Timberlake hat, not a fedora. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Sam says, did you see anything else? The man says, this red-like energy passed through Durbin to hat guy. Even my watch stopped. Derbs, he aged before my eyes. He looked like a raisin. (laughs) Sam says, well, we believe you. Dean says, thanks for your help. The man says, thank you, officers. 
Sam and Dean turn to leave. Dean says, wow. So we cut to the squatting house. Sam is researching on the laptop while Dean looks through John's journal. Dean says, yep, nothing that turns a dude into a crypt keeper. You? Sam says, uh, well, Greater Canton turns out kind of a hot spot for weird dead bodies. Dean says, hmm, you don't say. Sam says, yeah, news archives. Sam turns the laptop to show Dean. Sam says, they're not exactly reporting uh, mummifies, but still, 1928. The laptop, the laptop <laughs> screen shows articles titled, Another Shriveled Body Found and Spontaneous Combustion Claims Life of Young Man. Sam says, three deaths cited as spontaneous combustion. Bodies, quote, shriveled despite no signs of fire. Dean says, little stretch, but okay. Sam says, 74, three bodies found with leathery decay. Uh, 57, three more. The laptop shows articles titled, strange bodies found, mummy found by boys, and bartender falls victim to dehydration. Sam says, severe dehydration. This time, one made the front page. Sam hits a button and an old newspaper photograph appears on the screen. In it, a young girl standing next to a policeman points at a corpse. In the background are four other people, one wearing a fedora and a long coat. Sam says, the girl named Terry Cervantes found the corpse near her church. Dean says, any pattern here other than the location? Sam says, random vicks, random ears, but they seem to drop in threes. Dean says, that's two down, one to go. All right, let me drive for a sec. Sam says, what, are you going to look up more anime, or are you strictly into dick now? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dean types Canton webcams into a search engine and brings up SecurityNet webcams, which shows some images from different security cameras. Dean says, hmm. Sam says, are those local feeds? Dean says, yeah. Sam says, how did you do that so fast? Dean says, a little tutorial from Frank. Don't worry, we'll pretend this never happened. <laughs> now, mummy numero dos was found at gas and, at the gas and sip near Main Street, correct? Sam says, yeah. Dean enters gas plus Main plus Street into a search box on the security net webcam site. Four security f uh, and four security camera feeds come up. Dean says, all right, well, here's all the cameras around that store. Sam says, you need to teach me that trick. <laughs> he's so jealous. Yeah, like, he's like, how did you even do that? He's like, what the heck? Yeah. A man wearing a fedora and a long coat appears in one of the feeds. Dean says, hey, check it out, Timberlake. Sam says, wait a sec. And Sam takes back the laptop. Dean says, you can't let me bask in the glory for one second, can you? <laughs> Sam says, shut up, look. The laptop shows a close-up of fedora hat guy from the camera feed and from the newspaper photograph. Dean says, he hasn't aged a day, has he? All right, well, if he's been popping up for decades now, then somebody's bound to know who he is, right? Is there any chance that uh, Terry's still local? Uh, we cut to a hospital. It's daytime. Terry's a nurse. She's looking at the newspaper article. Terry says, you know, it's so pretty in the spring. Everything is blooming. That's why I walked home that way, to see the flowers. Instead, I found that body. I still have no idea what could have done that to a person. Dean says, do you recognize that man? Terry says, yeah, I mean, he lived on my parents' street, Mr. Snyder. Dean says, where do you say your parents live? So we cut to a street at night. Sam and Dean are staking out a house. It's the start of the scene from the beginning of the episode. Dean says, so what exactly is this thing? Some sort of vampire who got too sucky? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I 
says, nope, coroner's report said there was blood in both bodies. 300-year-old blood, but blood. Suddenly, the fedora man comes out of the house. Dean says, dude, dude, uh, fedora dude. The fedora man walks along the sidewalk and turns down the alley. Dean says, all right, let's do this. Let's move fast. Dean cocks his gun. Sam says, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's the plan here exactly? Dean says, don't die. <laughs> Hell of a plan, Dean. I know. Hell of a plan. So Sam and Dean get out of the car and follow Fedora Man. Dean says he's headed downtown. All right, you take the street. I'll take the alley. I'll meet you in the middle. Dean turns an alleyway corner and sees the Fedora Man kneeling down and holding the head of another man who's on his back on the ground. There's a red light above the man's face, uh, who seems, to, which seems to be absorbed by Fedora Man. Dean says, son of a... <laughs> Dean runs toward the men. As the light from the man is completely absorbed by Fedora Man... The fedora man lets the man's head fall to the ground and stand up. Uh, Sam comes around the corner and sees Dean tackle fedora man. Dean and the fedora man disappear in an explosion of red light. So, again, Sam got exploded on. <laughs> so many explosions. <laughs> There's a lot of explosions. Jeez. <laughs> <And> squatting. <laughs> But are they put together somehow, or... <laughs> oh, God. Squatting <laughs> explosions. Ew. That is messy. Uh, <laughs> I don't like it. Might need some bleach for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. So Dean and Fedora Man are fighting on the ground. Dean grabs the Fedora Man's hand and sees that he's wearing a ring with an hourglass symbol. The Fedora Man gets away and runs off. Dean says, hey... He gets to his feet and follows Fedora Man. He's in an alley. Dean says, hey. And Dean draws his gun and yells, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Dean reaches the street, stops and looks around. Everything looks old timey. Two policemen get out of a police car and point guns at Dean. A policeman says, hey, you, drop the gun. Put it down. Drop the gun. Dean says, all right. And he puts his gun on the ground. So we cut to the police station. A cop is checking out Dean's possessions. Dean is sitting at the table in handcuffs. Dean says, okay, can I just... The policeman says, don't. Listen to me. Hey, if you tell me you're from the Bureau one more time, I'm going to air you out myself. Got it? <laughs> the policeman pushes a button on Dean's cell phone. And the policeman says, no signal. Are you some kind of Jerry spy? <sighs> Dean says, Jerry who? And the policeman says, and a terrible one at that. Uh, the cop picks up Dean's FBI ID. And says, this badge, this badge was issued 68 years from now. Ace work, kraut muncher. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dean calculates the date in his brain and says, 44? I'm stuck in 1944? The policeman says, we're all stuck in 1944, you, you bunny. Dimwit. <laughs> and another man enters the room. The cop gets up from the table and walks over to him. The man says, take a powder. The policeman says, yes, sir, and he leaves. Dean says, look, I don't even like freaking sauerkraut, okay? So you can just skip the... The man says, what happened in the alley? And paint me a real picture. Dean says, all right, well, I'm 12 monkeyed, no matter what I say, so here goes. I was chasing this dude, uh, and I just seen him mummify a guy. Yeah, so I jumped him. He lights up red. Poof, we're in 1944. The man puts a folder onto the table and sits down across from Dean. The man says, tell me more about the red light. Dean says, are you seriously asking? The man says, you went out of jail. You're going to tell me everything you can, everything you can about that man and the so-called light. Mm. Dean says, okay, I saw it. And then we were here. 
the man says, would you say that uh, it was all around you or more that it came from inside this fella? Dean says, you believe me. Are you? You're a hunter. The man says, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dean says, demons, ghosts, shifters. Hey, I've killed them all and you're the same. Just 68 years before me, huh? The man holds out his hand and says, and your name is? Dean shakes his hand and says, Dean Winchester. The man says, Ness, Elliot Ness. Dean looks thrilled. <laughs> so we cut to the squatting house. Sam is... <laughs> Sam is the squatting <laughs> house. <laughs> That's what I call them. The house of squatting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sam is taping up research on the wall. His phone rings. Sam says, Dean? Jody says, no, why? Where's Dean? Sam says, the thing that's been mummifying people took him in a frigging ball of light and disappeared. Jody says, you guys get that a lot? <laughs> Sam says, yeah, more than most people. Jody says, well, I got you into this, so. Sam says, no, no, you didn't. All you did was just. Jody says, shut up, Sam. How can I help? Sam says, well, um, how do you feel about driving and lifting boxes? So we cut back to the police station. Dean is standing, no longer in handcuffs. Elliot Ness walks into the room. Dean says, I gotta tell you, I mean, Untouchables is like one of my most favorite movies ever. Elliot says, what? Dean says, I must have seen that thing like 50 times. <laughs> Elliot says, seen it? What? Like, I'm in the... Dean says, oh yeah, yeah, you don't even know. Oh, you are... Elliot says, look, hey, wait, let's just slow it down, okay? Now time travel... Is that something you find up a lot of sleeves in the future? Or Dean says, no, no, it's uh, not normally on the menu. Trust me, I'm as surprised as you are that I'm here. Elliot says, so we're hunting the same thing, just in different centuries. Elliot pushes a folder towards Dean and opens another one. Elliot says, two bodies, a few days apart, just a little over a month ago. One witness said she saw an assailant light up red after sucking the life out of a man. Dean says, awesome. Elliot says, "How does that sicko?" <laughs> Elliot says, "How does that fill you with awe?" Look, Dean, this thing—it kills. Dean says, "In threes." Elliot says, "In threes." Dean says, "But you already know that." Elliot says, "He's two down. You're coming with me. We've got to get this thing before it grabs the last one." Dean says, "Okay, so wait. Uh, does this mean that I'm an untouchable now?" Elliot says, it means we got to get you into some new clothes. You look like some kind of bindle stiff. Dean what says, what does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> Dean says, stiff, you're bin, what? <laughs> <laughs> so we cut He's to. He's like, I'm going to be smart. I'm not going to be smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to a tailor shop. Inside, a woman is measuring and pinning trousers at a table. Elliot and Dean pull up in a car outside. Dean gets out of the car and smiles after a passing serviceman. Elliot grabs Dean's arm and pulls him into the shop. A woman says, what's the rumpus, Elliot? Elliot says, Ezra Moore, Dean Winchester. Dean says, hey. Ezra says, who's he, some farmer clown? Elliot says, he's uh, from the future. Dean says, yeah, gas costs four bucks. You can get cheese out of a spray can. And the president, he's a black guy. I could go on. When was this filmed? So it's season seven, so it would be, oh gosh, so they started in 2005, right? Yeah. So 2012. Right. When was Obama elected? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. 
I mean, he was president for eight years, eight years before Trump, so. And that was, yeah, so I think that lines up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Math. I can't do math. Okay, we're, so we're in 2021 now. Minus four years is 20, well. I'm not doing it. 2016. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that would have been his second like the, either the end of his first term or the beginning of his second term maybe i don't remember <laughs> i'm trying to math and i don't know if it's working right now i'm just like not even paying attention to the words coming out of your mouth <laughs> that's how little i want to math right now <laughs> just like nope i'm just gonna ignore you till you're done <laughs> no offense <laughs> I assume you need some clothes. Come on. So we cut to the squatting house. Sam opens the door and Jody comes inside carrying boxes. Sam says, hey, let me uh, let me help you with those. Jody says, no, I got these. You go get the 20 other ones in my truck. Sam says, seriously? Jody says, yeah, I think Bobby may have had a slight hoarding issue. I could barely get the door open on that storage locker. And I'm pretty sure something's alive in at least three of those boxes. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> So we cut back to the tailor shop. Dean is dressed in brown clothes, then comes out of a fitting room wearing a dark suit. His hair is parted on the side. <laughs> it's very important that you guys know that, where his hair is parted. Because <laughs> it's actually parted instead of, you know, like, he's got his hair slicked back. Yep. So Elliot smiles and whistles. Dean looks at himself in the mirror as Ezra, as Ezra smooths the suit jacket from behind. Dean says, awesome. Ezra. Okay, and this totally reminds me of a look that Dean has later on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's the, part of, it's the parted hair. The parted, well, also the clothing, too, kind of. Yeah. But, yeah, mostly the parted hair. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yep. yep. Uh, Ezra says, awesome. You some religious kook? Elliot says, no, he just likes saying that. Ezra says, so, spill already. What bucket of syrup did you two idiots step into? Dean chuckles. Ezra says, something funny, sweetheart? He's like, idiots. <laughs> I know. Dean says, no, you uh, you just kind of remind me of someone. Mm-hmm. Elliot says, okay, Ezra, we need your help. It seems we're hunting a time traveler. Ezra says, delightful. So we cut back to the squatting house. Sam is studying the research hanging on the wall. Jody is using a laptop to search the Federal Criminal Database secure server for fedora, man, and suit. Jody says, got it. And she brings up an old photograph that includes the fedora man. Sam says, is that a ring on his finger? Jody says, uh, and she zooms in on the fedora man's finger. Jody says, yeah. Sam says, I know that symbol. So we cut back to Dean. Ezra shows him a page in a book. Ezra says, it's the infinite hourglass. Dean says, that's the symbol I saw on his ring. Ezra says, yeah, that's the mark of Kronos. Dean says, who? So we cut back to Sam and Jody. Sam says, the god of time. Jody says, that's crazy. Sam says, the thing with the old gods, once upon a time, they were 
They were just short of invincible, but they got a lot of their mojo from worshipers, from people feeding them. Jody says, these days, not so much. Sam says, right, they're not what they used to be, but they make up for a lack of power with being twice as pissed and a lot more hands-on. <laughs> Jody says, okay, so why is this God killing people? So we cut back to the tailor shop. Ezra says, could be he's killing folks for his time juice. Dean puts a flask into his jacket pocket and says, all right, well, how the hell am I going to ride him back to 2012? <laughs> <laughs> Ezra says, well, you could let him grab you if you don't mind him using you for gasoline. <laughs> There's so much riding and grabbing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> there is. So we cut back to Sam. Jody says, so how do we get Dean back? How do we even find this Kronos? Sam says, best stab, we find a way to summon a god. Cut back to Dean. Elliot says, look, let's just stick with what we know. Ezra, see if you can find something in all this junk that will kill a god. Ezra says, no trouble at all. Come in a few hours. See what I can scrounge up. Elliot says, you said you, you, said you fellas found his house? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go see if it's been built yet. And then let's kill that bastard. Because that, Dean puts on a fedora and says, is the Chicago way. <laughs> He's such a dork. <laughs> Ezra says, Chicago way. <laughs> Elliot says, who talks like that? <laughs> Dean says, Sean Connery. <laughs> Ezra says, come on. And Ezra helps Dean into his coat. Dean says, never watch that movie again. <laughs> so we cut to Fedora Man's house. Dean and Elliot are outside the front door. Dean says, it looks empty. You got a lockpick? Elliot says, sure, but Elliot kicks the door, kicks in the door and enters with his gun drawn. Dean follows. Elliot says, take a look around. Where's he getting all the lettuce to support this? Dean picks up a large book and opens it. It contains horse racing results. Dean says, he's using the Biff strategy. Elliot says, using what? Dean says, he's, Kronos is betting on races. He's already, he, Kronos is betting on races he already knows the outcome of. Look at this. Elliot says, he spent a lot of time in 44. Dean says, yeah. And Dean points to some initials in the journal and says, what's L-Y? Elliot says, it's not a what, it's a who. Lester Young. He lays bets for a lot of the flunkies in town. Let's say we go pay him a visit. So we cut to the police station. Dean pushes Lester down the stairs and gets him into a chair. Lester says, hey, whoa, hey, easy with the jacket. Yeah, I ain't talking. I'm no stoolie. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Stoolie? Yep. <sighs> Dean punches Lester in the face. Elliot looks at Dean. Dean says, I learned it from watching you. <laughs> Elliot says, look, you seem like a swell guy, Lester. Dean takes off his jacket. Elliot says, and I want to help you out. I do, but my partner here, he's just back from the war, and he spent the last two years kicking in Nazi skulls. If he doesn't kick a skull in every couple of days, he gets real touchy. <laughs> Lester, Dean says, Lester, that a German name? <laughs> Lester says, hey, okay, okay. There's no need to snap your cap. Who are you looking for? Elliot says, fellow by the name of Snyder. Lester says, what, that guy? I mean, Bum never missed a bet, but he gave me the heebie-jeebies, so I cut him off. Elliot says, where would you meet him for the payoff? Lester hesitates. Dean raises an arm and steps closer to Lester. Lester says, the early bird, it's a dive on Haggerty, practically lives in the joint. So we cut back to the squatting house. 
Sam and Jody are both researching. Sam says, damn it. Jody says, that's it. Sam says, okay, yours sounds better. You first. Jody says, it says here that people could summon Kronos to compel him to tell them their futures. Sam says, and I've got the spell to do it right here. Jody says, so why the damn it? Sam says, because calling Kronos isn't the problem. It's making sure we summon him when Dean is right there, literally with his hands on the guy, so he can surf him back. <laughs> Jody says, that's not automatic? Sam says, no, it's more like we need to get the time on their end right to the exact second. <laughs> Jody says, or we get an angry god, but no big brother. Sam says, and he's trapped there forever. Jody picks up a liquor bottle with a handwritten note attached. Jody reads, fine, you ass. You win for once. Enjoy. R. Who's R? Sam says, Rufus, a family friend. Jody says, ah, right. Sam says, wonder what they were betting over. Jody says, well, whatever it was, Rufus sure was a sore loser. Sam smiles and says, yeah. Jody says, it's weird, huh? It's like their life's a big puzzle. You just keep finding pieces of it scattered all over the place. We should drink this. He'd want us to. Am, am I wrong? He's like, I want this, so yeah. I'm going to justify this somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Sam says, it'd be rude not to. So we cut to a street. Dean and Elliot are in a parked car watching Kronos. Dean says, that's him. Elliot says, kind of puny for a god. <laughs> Elliot drinks from a flask. He then holds the flask out to Dean, but Dean declines. Dean says, thought you were, uh, thought you were Mr. Boy Scout. Elliot says, why do you think I went after Capone in the first place? The guy had the best hooch in Chicago. Dean says, so now, who died in your life and made you a hunter? Elliot says, who died? Nobody died, you morbid son of a bitch. I started doing this because vampires were turning folks in Cleveland. Dean says, and you got the bug. Elliot says, that's when I got the bug. And Elliot drinks from his flask again. <laughs> Elliot says, sometimes you just want to punch through the red tape with a silver bullet. Yeah, hunting sets me free. Isn't that why you hunt? Dean says, I do it because that's what my family did. Elliot says, hmm. Dean says, but they just seem to keep dying. To tell you the truth, I don't know why I'm doing much of anything anymore. Elliot says, boo-hoo, cry me a river, you Nancy. Tell me, are all hunters as soft as you in the future? Everybody loses everybody. And then one day, boom, your number's up, but at least you're making the difference. So enjoy it while it lasts, kid, because hunting's the only clarity you're going to find in this life. And that makes you luckier than most. A young, uh, beautiful woman with long blonde hair leaves the diner and walks past Elliot's car. Elliot says, hello, nurse. <laughs> the woman... Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello. <laughs> the woman walks down an alley. <laughs> Dean says, hey. Kronos leaves the diner and follows the young woman. Elliot and Dean get out of the car, and Elliot opens a trunk, which is full of weapons. Dean says, sweet, merciful, awesome. <laughs> Elliot hands Dean a gun. Uh, we see Kronos is gaining on the young woman. Elliot and Dean run after them. Kronos grabs the young woman's arm and turns her to face him. They passionately kiss. Dean and Elliot look confused. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to some time later. Elliot is talking to someone uh, in a small truck as Dean watches from the car. Elliot walks back to the car, and we see a house is visible across the field. Elliot talks to Dean through an open car window. He says, well, everything's coming up us, kid. Dean says, talk to me. Elliot says, I am. 
The owner of the house, Miss Lila Taylor, age 20, lives alone. Take the car, head back to Ezra, see what she's got. I'm going to stay here and keep my peepers on the Sheik and the Sheba. <laughs> Jeepers, creepers, we get the peepers. Dean hands Elliot his gun and drives away. Elliot walks towards the house confidently. So we cut to the tailor shop. A steak is lying on the table. The pointed end is red. Dean says, that's it? Ezra says, that is a 1,000-year-old olive carved by Vestal virgins and dipped in the blood of, you don't want to know. Pulling <laughs> Something this, gross. Yeah. <laughs> pulling this together wasn't easy. You and Ness both owe me smoothie. Dean says, you can have whatever you want. Dean picks up the steak and says, as soon as we gank this thing. Ezra says, yeah, yeah. Take your twig, wise guy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what that means. <laughs> well. <laughs> We're talking about twigs all of a sudden. <laughs> There's so many things happening in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing with your twig? <laughs> I know. Dean says, well, now, how's it work? As a... <laughs> I don't know. How does it work? How's the twig work? <laughs> Ezra walks over to Dean and motions to the pointed end of the stake. Ezra says, you stick this in his heart. Miss, he has you for supper. Make sense? Dean says, wait, if I kill Kronos, I'm stuck here. Ezra says, you just now realized? Oh, come on. 1944 ain't so bad. Dean says, yeah, I could head over to Europe, punch Hitler in the neck. Ezra says, oh, there's lots of ways to pass the time, sugar. Ezra puts her hands on Dean's labels, lapels. <laughs> <laughs> on his labels. <laughs> Hello, my name is Dean. <laughs> <laughs> and she pulls him into a kiss. Ezra says, that's for luck. Ezra smooths her thumb over Dean's lips. And Ezra says, because I'm lucky. <laughs> Dean, Dean says, thanks. <laughs> And Dean turns away and wipes his lips. <laughs> he then he sees three addressed envelopes, picks them up and smiles and says, back to the future three. Dean says, I need to borrow some paper. So we cut to outside Lila's house. Elliot is hiding behind a parked car. Suddenly, Kronos is there. He says, Mr. Ness, I presume. Kronos grabs the rifle Elliot is holding and shoves him up in, and shoves it up into his face. <laughs> <laughs> Now we're shoving things in faces. I know. Uh. Talking about twigs, labels, lapels. I don't know. <laughs> One of those is right. Something, something's got to be the correct answer. Krona <laughs> uh. says, you know, I stopped by the police station to take care of that hunter who rode me here. I heard you took him out of jail. I thought I thought I might see you again. Elliot headbutts Kronos. They fight, and Elliot ends up crashing through the door of the sh- of the shed, unconscious. Lila says, "Ethan." She comes out of the house and stands on the porch. She's holding a bag. Lila says, "There you are. Can't take the trash out without the trash, silly." Kronos says, "Sorry, honey. I don't know where I left my head. Be right there." Lila sets the trash down on the porch and goes back inside. Kronos turns back to the shed. Elliot is gone. So we cut to inside Lila's house. She's adjusting a grandfather clock. Kronos says, sweetie, I want you to pack a bag. Lila says, excuse me? 
Kronos says, well, you're always asking me where I go. Come with me tonight. Lila says, is everything okay? Kronos says, yeah, everything is perfect. You're perfect. I just need you to pack a bag and I'll explain why on the way, okay? Lila says, but the dinner. Kronos says, forget about them. Uh, in a more no more tone. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Lila says, but the diner. Kronos, raising his voice, says, forget about them. And then in a more normal tone. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that was still rough. I was like, I don't even know where you're going with, with that. <laughs> yeah. He, he yells at her. And then in a normal voice says, we'll call them tomorrow, okay? Just go. Pack. Lila looks scared of him. So we cut back to the squatting house uh, in 1944. Dean drives up, lights are on in the house. Dean says jackpot, and he walks up to he walks up to the front door. Sorry, my notes are just like all over the place here. <laughs> it's all good. An old man answers and says, "Can I help you, son?" Dean says, "Yes, sir. I am Special Agent Costner with the." Uh, Dean holds out his FBI ID and says, "Department of Homeland Termite Invasion." <laughs> the old man says, "Termites." Dean says, "Yes, sir. There's been an outbreak all, all over this area." And I just want to do an inspection, make sure that the perimeter is secure. The old man says, yes, yes, of course. You better come in. Dean says, okay. <laughs> that would never happen now. Somebody would come up to the door and unless they were like, okay, I know I've scheduled this. They'd be like, what are you doing at my house? Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even answer the door when someone comes to it. Like. Yeah. Oh, I don't either. Yeah. Not usually. Well, depends on who it is. Nope. I don't. Like if it's the mail or something. Or, or not the mail, like a package or something like that, then I'll generally, like, wait till they walk away and then go and grab yeah. it, you know? But, yeah. Unless it's somebody I know, I don't answer the door. Yeah. So Dean walks up the stairs as the old man watches. Dean turns on a light in a bedroom and moves the bed away from the wall. He puts a pillow from the bed on the floor next to the wall and lies down. The old man walks into the room and says, Is everything okay up here? Dean says, what? Oh, yeah. No, no, not to worry, because I'm going to install something that will protect this house forever. The old man nods. Dean gives him a thumbs up. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. The old man leaves the room and Dean lies back down. He looks up and then to his right and sees the bottom of the doorframe on the other side of the room. He gets up and walks over to the doorframe and takes out his knife. Dean says, yeah. (laughs) So we cut back to the squatting house in current day. Jody enters carrying a bag of food and coffee. She sees Sam sleeping at the table. Jody says, You are toast. Sam startles awake. Jody says, I'll keep pushing. You go get some shut eye. Sam says, uh, That's okay. I can. Uh... Sam takes a coffee, but Jody immediately takes it away from him. He's like, Nope. Jody. He, she, whatever. <laughs> Jody. Jody. Jody says, Do I have to use my mom voice? <laughs> so Sam goes upstairs to the bedroom. Sam crashes face down on his bedroll with his eyes closed. He struggles to get comfy. We see the base of the door frame on the other side of the room. Sam turns his head towards the wall next to him, then suddenly snaps his head around to look at the door frame. The word Sam is written on the base of the door frame. He uses his knife to break away the piece of the frame on which his name is written. Behind it is a piece of paper, which he unfolds and reads. Cut to some time later, Sam hurries down the stairs. Jody gets up from the table and says in her mom voice, All right, you asked for it, young man. <laughs> Sam holds out a piece of paper. Uh, Jody takes it and reads it. 
she says, Sammy, turns out Snyder is Kronos. Wait, this is from Dean? How? Sam says, just read. Jody says, I wrote him to 1944. <laughs> I'm working with Elliot Ness. Yes, that one. Jody says, track down Kronos. He's banging some chick named Lila Taylor, and we got a weapon. We're going after him. Take care of yourself, Sam. Sam looks at the top. Jody says, November 5th, 44. Sam says, so now we know the exact date Dean had hands on Kronos. And all we need is the exact time. Jody says, which we get how? Sam says, hoping. Sam takes back the letter and says, we asked someone who was there. So we cut to a retirement home. An older woman is standing holding a TV remote. Jody puts a hand on her shoulder and says, Miss Lila Taylor? Lila says, oh, can you get the Sullivan show? I want to watch that Frankie Valley." <laughs> Jody says, um, actually, and she holds up her badge and says, we're with the police. Lila says, oh, is Michael in trouble again? They all sit down. Lila says, I told him not to read those comic books. <laughs> Jody says, uh, no, he's, uh, he's fine. We just wanted to ask to ask we just wanted to ask you some questions about this man. And Jody shows an old newspaper photograph of Kronos. Lila says, Ethan, that's Ethan. Jody says, do you remember the last time you saw Ethan? Lila says, of course, November 1944, the night the clock stopped. Sam says, the clock stopped? Lila says, 1134, every clock in the house. Sam says, ma'am, can you tell us anything else you can remember? Lila says, Ethan said awful things, and then he strangled that poor man. Sam says, what poor man? Lila says, two policemen came to arrest Ethan. Uh, I don't know what that word is. <laughs> Sam shows Lila uh, one of Dean's ID cards and says, ma'am, was this one of them? Lila says, Ethan choked the life out of that man. So we cut to outside Lila's house in 1944. Um, he searches for, I don't know who I'm talking about. Hmm. Wait, who's who's? I don't know. Go back. <laughs> it doesn't say. Who's searching? It just says he searches for Ness. He quietly Dean. whispers, yells. Yeah, it must be. Probably, I think Dean. Yeah, I think you're right here because then afterwards it says Dean. So yeah, yeah. okay. okay. I'm like, I am like uh... I don't know. <laughs> We're both trying to decode my words. I have no idea. Uh, Dean whisper yells, Ness, Ness. Dean walks quietly up the stairs to the house and tries the front door, which is locked. He puts his gun in his coat. Uh, Dean Locke picks the door and then goes inside. He walks into the sitting room and sees light and movement in the gap under the closed door. As he is reaching for his gun, Kronos tackles him and they fall to the floor. Uh, they get to their feet and they fight and the noise summons Lila, who says, Ethan. Kronos turns to look at her. Elliot Ness is holding Lila from behind and pointing a gun at her stomach. Elliot says, let's talk. So we cut back to Sam. He and Jody are setting up for a spell. Um, Sam takes an hourglass out of a paper bag and puts it in a bowl and says, here, break this. Jody covers the hourglass with a cloth and smashes it with her gun. Cut back to Dean. Kronos says, please don't hurt her. Lila says, Ethan, what's happening? Dean says, yeah, Ethan, what the hell? Kronos says, Lila, I'm sorry, but you just, everything I said to you is true. Dean says, oh, he might have left out a few details. He tell you he's a monster who jumps, through, who jumps through time? Kronos shouts at Dean, I'm a god. And then speaking to Lila, he says, look, I'm not a monster. Listen, I'm the opposite. Elliot says, well, don't forget to tell her about all the people you murdered along the way, Boy Scout. <laughs> Lila says, what? 
Trana says, it's not like that. I do it for you, Lila. Lila says, I don't understand. She's like, that doesn't make it better. Yeah, <laughs> Lila's like, great. Thanks a fucking lot. Yeah, like, don't put this on me. Mm-hmm. So we cut back to Jody and Sam. Jody empties ingredients from plastic bags into bowl into a bowl. Uh, Sam slices his left palm with a knife and writes 1134 with his blood on a piece of paper, which he then puts into the bowl. Cut back to Dean. The grandfather clock reads 1132. Dean says, well, he's not as strong as he used to be. Isn't that right, Ethan? Now you got to suck people dry. Wild guess it takes three kills to juice you up. Chrono says, sacrifices, three sacrifices, and I can control when and where I land. But once I get there, it's never for long before I'm tossed through time again. That's my life, Lila. All I wanted, (laughs) (laughs) and all I want is to get back here. Elliot says, because you just love the clean cantonaire. (laughs) Chrono says, because I love her, because I live the worst existence you can imagine, and then I found you. Elliot says, after you killed Tyler Crosby and Kathy Porter, Lila here was going to be victim number three, am I right? Don't act like you never killed a soul before you met her pal. Something tells me you used to kill three saps just for a change of scenery. Chrono says, yes, I did. Chrono steps towards, steps towards Lila and Elliot. Elliot says, back down. Chrono says, I used to wonder, but now I have you. Lila says, I knew Kathy. She used to come into the diner every day. Behind Chronos, Dean takes something out of his back pocket. Chrono says, Lila, please. Lila says, you are a monster. Kronos says, no, Lila, please. <clears throat> Dean almost stabs Kronos, but Kronos sees Lila's eyes move to Dean, so he turns and they fight. Kronos breaks Dean's hold on the stake and it falls to the floor. Elliot shoots Kronos twice in the back, but this does not affect him at all. Kronos grabs Dean by the throat. And cut back to Sam. He chants the spell. Jody strikes a match and lights the piece of paper with 1134 written on it. Cut back to Lila's house. A red light glows from Kronos' chest. Elliot looks down at the stake on the floor. Kronos says no. Kronos grabs Dean from behind with an arm around his neck. The grandfather clock says 1134. Elliot picks up the stake and gets ready to throw it to Dean. Elliot says, hey, untouchable. Elliot throws the stake and Dean catches it. There's an explosion of red light. When it fades, Kronos and Dean are gone. Cut back to Sam and Jody. Kronos and Dean appear and fall to the floor. The stake slides across the floor. Jody says, Dean. Jody runs to Dean. Kronos stands up. Sam says, hey. Kronos turns to Sam, blocks his punch, and and sends Sam crashing to the floor. Kronos says, no, to Dean, who is still on the floor, with Jody behind him, supporting his head. Kronos says, you, you destroyed everything. Sam says, hey, Kronos. Kronos turns towards... Kronos turns towards <laughs> Sam, and Sam stabs him in the chest with a stake. Sam says, was that the best you got? White light shines from Kronos' ch- chest and flickers up his neck. Kronos falls to his knees. He looks up at Sam. Kronos says, you want to know your future? I know your future. Kronos looks at Dean and says, it's covered in thick black ooze. Dean looks over at Kronos's head to Sam. Kronos says, it's everywhere. The ooze is the future. (laughs) 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 Kronos looks back at Sam. Kronos says, they're everywhere. And Kronos laughs. He says, enjoy oblivion. And then Kronos falls to the floor dead. And credits. (laughs) Okay, so thoughts. (laughs) 
Okay, first, I just want to say that this is the longest fucking script I've ever done. And I totally checked out, like, three-fourths of the way through. I was like, okay, I'm just going to start reading like this. So I'm really, really sorry that that happened. I will try to do better next time. But this was, like... 50 fucking pages of script which is normal <laughs> normally it's only like 30 yeah. so a little extra but there's a lot of like dialogue i feel like in this one yeah too, there you know? was man which dialogue always they always kind of write that as like separate they don't just kind of continue it on like a paragraph they always kind of like do new paragraphs for every time somebody new is mm-hmm. talking so that'll kind of work its way down the page a lot faster yeah and but, like how the because these are just transcripts you know that I do and so I leave all the dialogue but all the like descriptor stuff I try and like cross out and rewrite in my own words yeah and so there was a lot of like crossing out in this <laughs> which is why I like stumbled so much I was like what the fuck does that say <laughs> I don't know what he wrote <laughs> yeah so hey, I don't know what's happening <laughs> yeah so sorry oh it's all good <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> Kronos kind of reminds me of the Death Eaters from Harry Potter with, like, the soul sucking. Oh, yeah. You know, except for it's red. <laughs> <laughs> the red exploding. I had instead of white exploding. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, anyways... <laughs> Um, yeah, so I just thought it was kind of like, hmm. Um, also, like, Derbis or whatever, the guy's name, the, when they talk to the one guy that's, you know, like, oh, my friend got raisined. <laughs> what a horrible way <laughs> to describe <laughs> how somebody looks. <laughs> a raisin? Yeah. Like, you could have picked any other word, and you picked raisin. <laughs> I just don't think I would say that about my friend, either. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe about a stranger, sure. I mean, but, like, my friend, I wouldn't I wouldn't say raisin. No. <laughs> you look like a raisin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I am that asshole that might say something like that. But not, I mean... I would probably say that about myself more than anything else. Yeah. But yeah. Oh. Okay. Like, also, Ezra reminds me of, I think it's Edna, right? From The Incredibles. Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember yeah. what her name is. But the, like, the lady that makes all the super suits or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, come here, I'll dress you. And oh, let's do this. And oh, let's do this. Yeah. It's like, she just like knows all the things. I love that she was just like, I'm going to kiss Dean Winchester <laughs> and tell him that I'm lucky. Be like, hmm, he cute. I'm going to get some, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much what, where her mind went. She's like, hmm. <laughs> yep. I got to try some of that. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like, wiped his lips afterwards. He's like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> yep. Uh, anyways, those were the only thoughts that I had. But what were... What were... What was your favorite moment from this episode? Oh, cock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I never... This is something you need to, like, remind me of more often, <laughs> is favorite moments, okay? Like you need to come up with a favorite moment. Like, moments. I have that alarm that every Saturday that says, you know, text Rochelle. 
to remind you to publish an episode, you need to have an alarm that is like favorite moment, Lynn. Because like, you gotta figure this out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe you should go first. Okay. Um, mine was when Sam asked Dean if he was going to look up more anime or is he strictly into dick now? <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> and Dean just slowly shuts the computer. Yeah. <laughs> like, hmm. That was good. I think, I think my favorite moment probably was when Ezra kissed Dean. Yeah. That yeah. was a pretty good one too. Yeah. I, I like that one. It was so surprising. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> For everybody. I mean, that surprised everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, oh, I'm trying to, my, my phone's being screwy. Um, so our interesting facts from this episode, uh, it says when Dean set, uh, sees the betting record with future information, he remarks he's using the Biff strategy. Um, this refers to Biff Tannen from Back to the Future Part 2 from 1989, um, who uses 21st century sports almanac, or who uses the 21st century sports almanac to place winning bets on horse races in 1955. Um, it says, Kronos is a deity in Greek mythology um, and the personification of time. He is at times identified with the similarly named Titan Kronos, or Kronos, um, the god of the harvest. <clears throat> so, also, go figure, our research is on Kronos. <laughs> right. There's a lot that was like, okay, you know, Oh, Kronos spelled this way, not this way, or this way, you know, like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, like, different versions of the same name, so some of it's kind of hard to tell, like, who they're talking about. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, um, it says, Nicholas Leah, who plays Elliot Ness, was an important character in the X-Files from 1993. Um, yes, he played <laughs> Krychek. I saw him, and I was like, it's you! You're a bad guy! <laughs> I, I, at some point, need to watch X-Files because there's a lot of references. You will never use a porter potty again. <laughs> can I just tell you? Okay, but, like, you know how many times I've had to use a porter potty so... And you will think about this thing <laughs> that happens in a porta potty for the rest of your life. See, my biggest fear in porta potties is that there's, A, going to be a bug, or, B, somebody's going to tip over the porta potty with me in it. <laughs> Well, you'll have a whole new fear. Because <laughs> that's like a prank that people do on each other I all know. the time is tip over the porta potty when somebody's in it. Which is so, horrible. It's horrible. I saw one one time where they tipped the guy forward. Oh, my and God. And so it was the door down so he couldn't get out. Yeah. You know, it was like, you, why would you do that to somebody? I mean, yeah. obviously, they probably like cut him out or whatever, you know, but still, it's like. Really? You know? Like, that would just be horrible. That's a horrible way to have, just as horrible to have in your day, you know? Yep. I was going to say a horrible way to start your day. It was just a horrible thing to happen in general. Um, so it says, uh, where was I? Oh, many other actors from Supernatural, including Mitch Pileggi, um, mm-hmm. Samuel Campbell, um, previously starred on that show. Uh, it says this is the seventh episode to not feature the Impala and the sixth episode in a row. Um, it says the title of the episode, Time After Time, is a common phrase which might refer to uh, Time After Time from 1979, in which H.G. Wells, uh, Malcolm McDowell, uh, time travels from 1893 to 1979, um, or the lyrics from the 1977 Queen song, We Are the Champions, which, where, Time After Time. 
Um, when is that in that song? It might be in that song. I feel like I probably... Okay, hold on. I'm like... I don't think that's in there. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know I'm not going to sing through the whole thing in my head yeah. right now. Um... <laughs> um, it says, or it could be from the Cindy Lauper song "Time After Time," released in 1984. See, that's the one that I always like. Every time I hear "Time After Time," time after time, if you fall, I will. Oh, I forget the words. <laughs> I don't know. I love uh, that song. Time after time. <laughs> time after time. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Um, it says the date on Dean's letter to Sam has several other time travel movie slash TV series connections. Um, it's the date that Marty McFly travels to in all three Back to the Future movies. Um, it's the date that H.G. Wells travels to in 1979 in the film Time After Time from 1979. Um, it is the birth date of the late John Eric Hexum, um, who starred in time travel series Voyagers from, um, 1982. Um, it says... Uh, Ness calls Dean a bindle stiff. Um, a bindle stiff is a hobo, usually carrying a bedroll or wrapped bundle on a stick. Oh, okay. I never heard that before. Me neither. But also, I have not lived in 1944, right. so... <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think I would... Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Nope, no. I haven't. Anyway. Uh, the next fact is uh, when Elliot Ness asked, asks <laughs> Dean, <laughs> when he asses him, when he asks him, <laughs> when he asks Dean what happened in the alley, um, Dean says, "Well, I'm twelve monkeyed, no matter what I say. So here goes." Um, he's referring to the Bruce Willis uh, sci-fi movie Twelve Monkeys from 1995 about a convict sent back in time to avert a disaster. Um. It says when Sam and Jerry, er, when Sam and Jerry, <laughs> I tried to mix Sheriff and Jody, and for some reason I got Jerry out of that. Wow. <laughs> I need a nap. Um, when Sam and Sheriff Jody Mills visit. <laughs> Oh, Lord. With old Lila Taylor, she tells them that all the clocks stopped in the house at 1134. Um, also, Sam used his blood to write the numbers on the paper used in the summoning spell. Um, 1134, viewed upside down, spells hell, written in both written or in both written and digital form. Huh. So that's, you know, fun fact. Do you remember ever, like, when we were kids, typing, like, typing in, oh, is it? One one three four and flipping it upside down and be like, oh, I wrote a bad word with the calculator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. I, everybody did that, and then somebody, I, I feel like somebody at one point figured out how to write bitch. <laughs> uh, someone at one point figured out how to write boobies. Maybe that's what it was. Something yeah. started. It might have been boobies. That probably <laughs> would make more sense. Yeah. And that was just like, whoa, man, you're next level calculator writer. You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> You rebel. Oh, this, like, this guy has all of the tricks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, um, it says, um, in this episode, after Dean travels back in time, he ends up working with Elliot Ness. Um, coincidentally, Misha Collins, um, who plays Castiel, also plays Elliot Ness in the show Timeless from 2016, um, where characters also travel back in time. 
Um, it says the technique of planting the message in the house was used in frequency from 2000, which I've never Oh, heard I didn't of. see that. Um, it says when Dean uh, pretends to be a termite inspector, a background radio show is doing a PSA on victory gardens. Um, in World War II, the war effort was um, using up most of everything. The U.S. government had to ration civilian food, fuel, rubber, all metals, paper, cloth, leather, etc., um, the Victory Gardens, most of them in urban and suburban yards, ended up providing about a third of all the produce available to civilians. Um, similar programs were in other countries. Have you ever heard of that? The... Uh, no. Oh, yeah. I remember, I don't remember why. I wonder if it was like a history class something or other that I learned this in at some point, but I remember like them saying something about how, I think it was like neighborhoods would have their gardens and everybody would kind of like help with hmm. the garden and just, you know, get what you needed out of it sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. I haven't, uh, I, I don't really remember much more than that. <laughs> um, so, for, <clears throat> excuse me, for our research, um, we, you know, looked up Kronos because, <laughs> as you do, mm-hmm. um, and this is off of greeklegendsandmyths.com. Um, it says, Kronos was a god of the Greek pantheon, and he is arguably one of the most interesting of all Greek gods and goddesses. Uh, generally speaking, Kronos, or Cronus um, can be regarded as the Greek god of time, or father time, but the deity appears only sparsely in surviving texts. Um, and yet in these surviving texts, it is clear that he was an integral, or that he was integral to some people's interpretation of the creation myth. Um, it says, today, the lineage of the gods is normally taken from, oh, Hesiod's, I think? I don't know. Um, and, uh, this is, of course, understandable, as the book title itself means genealogy of the gods. <laughs> um, this text is one of the few surviving works from this period and has led to the Homeric, um, tradition of the gods becoming famous. <clears throat> uh, fragments of other texts... Uh, though exist and they have recorded other traditions which although often include the same gods as written about by Hesiod also tell of different gods and of different timelines Um, it is from these fragments that the god Cronus is found Um, these alternate timelines include the Orphic tradition uh, work attributed to Orpheus Um, it says the most famous story of creation from Greek mythology tells of oh boy Protogenoi uh, emerging from nothingness with first chaos, then Gaia, Eros, and Tartarus uh, coming into existence. And Hesiod's version ver- version, version <laughs> doesn't mention a god called Cronus at all. Um, other versions, though, state that the Cronus was the son of Hydros, a primordial water god, and Gaia, the protogenoi of the earth, um, or else he was born fully formed when the universe came into existence. It says, in the earliest surviving accounts, Cronus was normally depicted as a serpent-like god, but also a god with three heads, one of a man, one of a bull, and the third of a lion. Um, Hmm. Cronus, though, was also of indeterminate size. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But they... That's vague. It says, but the serpent coils of Cronus was said to encircle everything. Okay. So... Large and indeterminate size. <laughs> uh, it says genera- 
generations after its original inception, the idea of Cronus would be taken up by Roman writers, and they would equate the Greek primordial god with another god, Aeon, um, or Eternity, and the imagery of uh, the god would subsequently change. It was at this time that Cronus would become a father time figure, an old man with white beard and holding on to an hourglass and sickle, and even today it is this imagery that is still thought of when people think of father time. It says, in this Orphic tradition, uh, Cronus was said to work alongside a female equivalent goddess, Anonke. Uh, I don't know if I said that right. Um, the Greek goddess of inevitability. <laughs> and the pair would ultimately bring order to the cosmos. Uh, the tails of the serpent deities would encircle the world egg. <laughs> and as this occurred, the egg would split up open, bringing forth the earth, sea, and sky. The tails of time and inevitability would therefore or thereafter be involved in everything for all time i can't read right now <laughs> i understand completely uh, what's happening <laughs> what that's like <laughs> it says the opening of the world egg also brought forth the primordial deity fanes um other protogenoi i don't know if i'm saying that right um were also thought to have been born to cronus and ananke with um Aether, which is air, chaos, which is gap, and Erebus, which is darkness, um, often named as their offspring. Um, it says in English, Cronus is often written down as Kronos, or, well, a couple different spellings of Kronos, um, and so it is easy to see how the protogenoi god of time could be confused with the titan god um, Cronus, or Kronos, I don't See, this is where I get... I'm like, this, there's too many different spellings. I'm not sure who's who. Yeah. Um, it says, this has meant that over the centuries, the two gods who were once distinct being confused with each other and the Greek... Wait, hold on. What? This has meant that over the centuries, the two gods who were once distinct being confused with each other and the Greek gods taking on the other's attributes. That sentence doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> eh, just keep going. <laughs> No, that's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I'll read it again. It, it's the writing. It doesn't, like, the, they didn't... Okay, I'm going to try and reword this sentence here. This has meant that over the centuries, the two gods were once distinct, and now they're confused with each other, and the Greek gods taking on the other's attributes... I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'm giving up. Because I don't know what they're trying to say exactly. I'm thinking that they're trying to say that, like, they once were very, you know, different from each other, and now people over time have gotten them mixed up a lot. Right. That's I'm what I thought sure you were saying. I'm pretty sure that's what they were saying. Yeah. But the sentence didn't, I don't know if. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, so, you know, in the subtext, that's what we, <laughs> that's what we add for ourselves. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> ooh, so what was your Ijid or Aspet moment okay. this week? So, I don't know what is going on, but I have been suddenly waking up at four in the morning, like, every single day. Mm-hmm. So, um, I go to bed, I go to bed pretty early, like, around nine, usually. And not today! <laughs> not today. <laughs> I know, right? I'm, like, so exhausted and, like, ready to go to bed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I normally wake up at 5.30. Um, 
So I'm suddenly to like get Killian ready, like hey, like get myself ready and mm-hmm. then get Killian ready for school and mm-hmm. you know, that's Martin my normal Yeah. My normal thing. But yeah, four o'clock what's happening to me. <laughs> I don't know why. I wake up like bright eyed and bushy tailed, like ready huh? to go and I'm just like, Well shit. <laughs> <laughs> What is this? What am I supposed to do? You know? And, like, Eric has only been in bed for, like, an hour at that point. Yeah. So I can't wake him up. Yeah. As much as I want to. And be like, pay attention to me. <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Which brings me into my Jitter-Aspat moment, actually, pretty well. So, you know who's going, hello, in the middle of the night? Freaking Steve. Oh, no. <laughs> so, we had the window open one night, and so we just moved, but the house that we were in, there was this big empty field out behind us that they use for, like, hunting, and there's some, like, I, I wouldn't say trails back there, but there's some, like, paths back there. It's basically just a huge mm-hmm. field that they set pheasants and stuff out loose in, so that way people can go and, you know, do their thing. Um, there's a lot of coyotes that live out there, though, and we left the window open, and you can, like, kind of vaguely hear the coyotes off in the distance, Mm -hmm. and I think that's what set them off, but Steve literally, like, there was one night where he just, like, nonstop yowling, you know, just like, oh my god, oh no, distance so it's not like they were right there and this was like this continued for like hours <laughs> after the coyotes were well long gone you yeah know? Like, and so he kind of started and I'm like okay you know and so I'm trying to get him up on the bed and like okay like let's calm down let's go to sleep and he would like lay down for a couple minutes and then get up and just like stand on the bed over me and go I feel like in my moments of anxiety, I feel like doing that to Eric. So I get it. (laughs) I totally get it. Well, so, okay. I was kind of like, okay, I can't deal with this and you're keeping me awake. So I stuck, because before when he's been like screaming like that, I can like kick him out of the room, Mm -hmm. shut the door. And then he's concerned about getting back into the room and forgets about the other thing that's happening. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the reset button. You kick him out, shut the door. And then he goes, oh, wait. No, I want to be in there. And then he'll yell to get let in. And then once you let him in, he'll, like, you know, find his spot, get settled, and go to sleep. And so mm-hmm. I was, like, hoping and praying that this is what was going to help. So I kick him out, shut the door. He comes back, like, five minutes later and is yowling and scratching at the door, like, oh, let me in, let me in. And I'm, like, okay. So I let him in. He gets up on the bed and starts screaming over me again. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> You know, like, I can't, and this is at, like, two in the morning, you know, like, maybe three, I don't know, but, like, not a time that I wanted to be awake. And and so, I'm like, I can't deal with this, and I'm, like, pinning him to the bed and petting him, hoping that he's gonna shut up eventually, Mm -hmm. and then, like, oh, and he'd just be like, ah, all over again. poor guy. so, no, eventually, (laughs) so there's... So our extra bedroom, there's the bed that I have in there was my old bed, and I have this blanket on there. It's not even really a blanket. It's kind of like a throw thing that's, like, really, really fuzzy and really soft, and he loves that thing. And so I got so sick and tired of him. I literally picked him up like a football. (laughs) 
and marched him over to the other bedroom and launched him from the door to the bed. And was like, here you go. And he like landed on the bed and then immediately started going, ooh, and like kneading at it. And then I like left and went back to bed and shut the door and then he was quiet for the rest of the night because he had his little security blanket or whatever but I was like do you? it was like an hour of just like non-stop Jeez. do you hear what I hear we're all gonna die yeah. I was just like dude shut up they long gone by now they yelled for like a couple of minutes and you're still going on about it like take a bright uh, breather man like let's like how do you have any breath left you know yeah <laughs> but anyway so that was that was a fun adventure that made me really mad <laughs> I, I was just like screw you kick him out and shut the door but you know it happened <laughs> poor guy I mean kind of but like here's the other thing too is that it's hard to tell sometimes if he's actually like concerned about something or he just likes the sound of his own voice yeah. because he talks non-stop anyway and like sometimes it's in the middle of the night most of the time it's during the day but like he has to announce his presence everywhere he goes so if he gets off the bed in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and come back he hops back up on the bed and is like I'm here (laughs) it's just like shut up and go to bed you idiot you're like what are you doing like why do you have to tell me that you've come back just lay down and go to sleep you're like why is this the thing that you do he's like just kidding in case you were wondering, I'm back now. It's like, ugh. But anyways, so Steve's a little ass butt sometimes. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for listening to us and our shenanigans. You can email us at idgitsandassbuttspodcast at gmail.com. The word and is filled out. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under Aspects, a supernatural podcast. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and send us your Idgit and Aspect moments for a chance to hear your story on our podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.